Being Green is brought to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Hello, I'm Glynis Crook. Earlier this week, scientists forecast that the El Nino weather phenomenon will likely make a return later this year, and the impact is not going to be pretty. This after three years in which its cooler counterpart, La Nina, has been dominant. They're warning of unprecedented heat waves, saying the phenomenon, coupled with the growing climate crisis, will push global temperatures off the chart. Well, I'm joined now by Willem Landmann, a professor in meteorology in the Department of Geography, Geoinformatics and Meteorology at the University of Pretoria. He also previously worked as chief scientist and chief researcher at the South African Weather Service and the Council of Scientific and Industrial Research, respectively. Willem, thanks for joining us on the program. Remind us, please, about the difference between these two, what are actually naturally occurring phenomena. Well, La Nina events normally happen, well, they both happen, El Nino and La Nina events happen over the Central Pacific Ocean. So effectively, it happens on the opposite side of the planet. It happens really far away from us. But it happens over such a large area of ocean waters that it affects global circulation patterns and also circulation patterns over southern Africa. And when we have a La Nina, this is when the sea surface temperatures over the central Pacific Ocean area becomes anomalously cold. That means colder than usual. We tend to have wet seasons over large parts of southern Africa, especially over the summer rainfall regions. And when we have the opposite phase, El Nino, this is when we have the sea surface temperatures over that central Pacific Ocean area becoming anomalously warm, then we have increased chances of having a drought season or a season where the, the rainfall can just be absent. Oh so <laughs> and the... so that has big impacts on agricultural activities and hydrological activities, dam levels, etc. So if the forecasts are suggesting that this El Nino will return later this year, if you combine this with what is already globally increasing temperatures, what do we get? Yeah, we, we run into big problems, but I think one should also be cognizant of the fact that it's very early yet to make a, a very confident prediction about El Nino. The reason why I'm saying this is because we still have to go through a period during autumn, and they refer to this period as the autumn in the southern hemisphere, they refer to it as the autumn barrier. And in the northern hemisphere, I refer to this as the spring barrier. Once we've gotten through this period, it is then when we are much more confident whether or not there will be an El Nino or La Nina. Okay. But at the present time, the climate models are quite in agreement that we are going to go towards an El Nino event. Moreover, yeah, like you have rightly said, we have just experienced three consecutive La Nina events, which makes the likelihood of a fourth consecutive La Nina season really, really unlikely. So based on the model forecasts and statistics, we can say with some confidence, even though we're not yet through the spring barrier, that El Nino is very likely. 
And when El Nino happens over large parts of the globe, things are getting warmer and drier, mm. including southern Africa. So what kind of impacts are we likely to see? Should it happen that after the autumn period we do have a confirmation of the La Nino? Yeah, so uh, if we are more confident about El Nino statement, then we can become more proactive. Normally when we have an El Nino and there's food shortages, that normally catches us by surprise, you know. Oh my goodness, we're having a, a drought. But now if we are forewarned, we can certainly also be forearmed. And I think it's maybe, this is what I think makes your program very relevant at the moment, because like I've explained, we are kind of confident that there is an El Nino coming, so there's months ahead that we can actually make plans to try to see if we can't make the impact that we may expect during the El Nino season less. We have to be much more proactive than I think we would have otherwise been even at this early stage of the year. So what sort of things should we be doing right now? Well, um, I'm only a mere climate scientist. I think we should be much more proactive. I think the, the people who are involved with decision-making regarding policies with seeds and all that, those kind of things that I'm really not an expert in, I think they should sit up and listen to what the climate scientists are going to say. And they are saying, at this early stage, we are really headed towards a possible catastrophe if we do not act now. Gosh, that is rather grim warning, and hopefully they are listening. Thanks so much there to Willem Lundman of the University of Pretoria, and that's it for this week here on Being Green. Till next time from me, Glenn Scrook. Take care and goodbye. Being Green was brought to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Ask not what your community can do for you. Ask what you can do for your community. At Remax Living Real Estate, our ethos is built on giving back. From sponsoring music broadcasts to FMR's Being Green, our focus is on making your world more harmonious and our planet more sustainable. So when it comes to choosing a real estate partner, don't go for anything less than people who are maximum givers. Galinda Moser from Remax Living Real Estate.